In a sermon some years ago, I used the image of the arcade game, Whack-A-Mole, to describe life as a seminarian. Now, if you are a student at PTS, and especially if you're a first-year student, you have likely been playing a deranged version of Whack-A-Mole for some time now. Each academic assignment is a mole popping its head up just when you were smacking the previous mole. Church history paper this week, wham! Theology paper next week, wham! Old Testament quiz, wham! Pretty soon you're in a frenzy. You're whacking away on these assignments and it feels like your academic mallet just can't keep up. Even if you're not a student, there's likely some whack-a-mole in your life. Maybe it's in your work life, answering emails, endless emails, or meeting deadlines for projects. Or in your personal life, kids off to school, wham, long daily commute, wham, dishwasher fixed, wham. If you're like me, occasionally you stop wielding your mallet for a moment and you wonder, where is God? in all of this whack-a-mole. The prophet in our text today is writing to a people who may seem a long way from us. These are a people living in the sixth century before Christ who have been forcibly exiled from their homeland, taken against their will to live in Babylon. They feel abandoned by their God, the God of Israel, who seems powerless or non-existent. And they live in a world dominated by other, seemingly more powerful gods. So the prophet tries to tell them, God has comforted the people, rejoice and sing. That sounds great, but the people respond right back. No. God has abandoned us. God has forgotten us. How do you respond to a people who insist they have been forgotten? The prophet searches for an image that will convey the intensity of God's love for Israel. What's the most intense form of love known to human beings? A mother's love. A mother's love for her infant child. A healthy mother will do anything, anything for the welfare of her child. But even human maternal love can sometimes fail. God's maternal love is better than that of any human mother. As if that image were not powerful enough, the prophet goes on, the people are carved into the divine palms. They cannot be forgotten. When I was a senior in college, which was just a few years ago. (laughs) I woke up early on the first day of final exams. I was a little anxious. I really wanted to do well on my exams. I had a tiny TV in my dorm room, and I flipped it on. I wasn't normally a person who watched TV in the morning, but my nervousness about those exams just kind of drove me to do it. I flipped the channels and up sprang an image of Mr. Rogers on the screen. Something about the way he was talking made me pause. I left Mr. Rogers on while I got ready for my exam. 
I was aware that it was not at all typical for college students to watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> but for the next three mornings, every day of my exams, that's what I did. <laughs> Something about the Reverend Fred Rogers, he was a Presbyterian minister, after all. Something about him talking to me on those mornings was soothing. It was just what I needed. He kept calling me television neighbor. And one morning, he turned his bowl of popcorn toward me and offered me some. <laughs> me and all his television neighbors. I did recognize that this, this was weird. <laughs> Still, it was as though through the television, he was saying to me, you're okay. This too shall pass. There was a documentary about Mr. Rogers that came out this summer. Perhaps you saw it. It shows how this was Mr. Rogers' special gift. He could form a personal, intimate bond with each individual viewer. He made it seem like he was speaking to each one of us individually, making us feel that we counted that we were valued. This is what the prophet in our text is after as well. But the prophet goes on and says, your builders outdo your destroyers. Hmm. For the destroyed city of Jerusalem and its inhabitants now exiled but longing for a home rebuilt, this is what love looks like, to have the builders in the community come quickly to outdo, outperform the work of the destroyers. Fierce divine love comes clothed in human actions. It comes by the hands of the builders of community. The destroyers are powerful, but the builders are more powerful. Who are these builders in the passage? Curiously, the ones who are in need of comfort and the builders are the same people. The prophet is telling exiled Israel, you have not been forgotten, and also you are the builders. You will be the ones to rebuild Jerusalem. The ones comforted and the ones who will build up the community are the same ones. Surely on the days when we can no longer raise our whack-a-mole mallets up to hit one more thing, we may feel like the ones abandoned by our God and that we are living in the midst of more powerful gods. On those days, we need to hear that God's love for us is fiercer than a human mother's love. But we are also always the builders the ones who are called upon to raise up others when they are struggling, the ones who keep the good of the community as a central priority. It's sometimes disconcerting to modern readers of the Bible that the Bible does not really talk about rights. My rights or your rights. That's not biblical language. Instead, the Bible talks about responsibilities. Whose welfare are we responsible for? That's why when we talk about covenant community around here, we need to be careful 
It does not become a phrase to toss in when we want something for ourselves. It cannot simply become a way of saying, what's in it for me? Covenant community asks us to be the builders for one another, to do the Mr. Rogers thing of making those near us feel seen and heard and understood, and also to keep the common good of the community before us. What might this look like on our campus? What does it look like? In precept or in class, it means listening carefully to what a classmate is saying, perhaps trying to build on it, directing our reflections not to the preceptor or the instructor principally, but to fellow classmates. We may ask ourselves, how does the way I participate, the way I listen, the way I interact, how does my participation contribute to the learning of everyone? This fall, as I sit in precepts with students, serve with administrative and faculty colleagues in various ways, I see a lot of concern for the quality of our life together. Thanks be to God. But as builders of covenant community, we can never become complacent. I know I fall short every day. Blessedly, the quality of our life together does not rely on our own efforts. Covenant community is not a thing we achieve. It is rather Christ working in us and through us to build up the body. We are the builders, but our hope does not lie in ourselves, but in Christ working in us. There are a lot of destroyers out there in the world today, you may have noticed. Our task is, as builders is to act more quickly, to outdo the destroyers. It is the work to which God in Christ calls us each and every day. I don't know what to do about the craziness of the whack-a-mole, but I know it's when we slow down enough to be really present with one another in a Mr. Rogers-like way that we feel the pressures lifting from us and we feel eternity and the grace of God breaking in. And it is in those moments that when we become the builders of the community that we are called to be. Thanks be to God. Amen.